on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. They were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined as always by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Will, how are we? Good, doing well, thank you. A lot to talk about as always this week and we're delighted to be joined for the first time ever on the Left Wing properly by Brendan Fanning. Brendan, welcome. Hi Will, how's it going? Hi Luke. Yeah, Great to be joined by a proper journalist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Rory and King, you're, you're the senior journalist I am, Brendan, so you know. Uh, I suppose we're delighted to have you on finally. We might kick things off, as I said, a lot, lots to touch on, lots of Champions Cup news, but the World Cup draw, I know it's you know over three, around three years away, but already the sense of foreboding is building. Uh, it probably couldn't have been any worse for Andy Farrell as he's trying to you know get some positivity in at the end of the year, looking ahead to the 2021 Six Nations. You know, we've South Africa, we've Scotland, and then if we get over those two, we have New Zealand, or France in France, you know, how, how did you digest that? I know it's a long way away and a lot can happen, but already, should we be looking to 2027? <laughs> well, um, tell the truth, Will, when, when we touched on this earlier today, um, you said something like, Jesus, I'm going to be 40 by the time we finally get to a World Cup semi-final. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I, I'll be almost touching it by the time that one goes around. We were asking for your opinion, not Will's. <laughs> my, my opinion is, uh, number one, I could feel the absolute despondency in Andy Farrell's voice as himself and Gregor Townsend were commenting on the fact that they had uh, the Saffirs. Uh, I guess Samoa would be, a, would be a decent bet to get into that pool as well. So it'll be... It'll be hard going for sure. Um, I think Andy Farrell, I don't know if we're going to get into him in Ireland later on or what the, what the script is on that one, but uh, I think in fairness to him, he's struggling to catch a, a, a bit of a bit of luck. He's, he, he really is. He's struggling for a lucky break. The other thing is, um, I'm trying to remember why it was. I was given a semi-rational explanation explanation by somebody in world rugby as to why the draws are conducted so far in advance something to do with logistics and planning and yada yada it, it, it doesn't it still doesn't seem quite right to me moreover um 
you know, and I'd be interested in Luke's opinion on this. People are saying, oh, we can't pick Luke Fitzgerald now. He's 52 years of age. He's going to be 60 by the time the World Cup comes along. Stop thinking about the World Cup. I think the time to start thinking about the World Cup is a year out, year and a half out. The notion of a four-year cycle just melts your head. And I, th- I think that was one of the things we learned from Japan. So if I was Andy Farrell, I would try and park the grimness of the World Cup draw and just crack on with well, keeping his job. Yeah, Luke, because I guess, you know, you could look at it two ways in the sense that, you know, Brendan raised there. A lot of things can change in over a World Cup cycle. Razi Erasmus only came in, you know, relatively short notice and ended up winning the World Cup the last time. On the other hand, it's very hard not to get bogged down on the fact that we have an a very, very difficult quarterfinal draw. And I feel like every bad result between now and then, that will get that will be mentioned at some stage in the match report. I'll be like, oh, and as well as that, the World Cup won't be much prettier when we have this draw. Like when you're if you're Andy Farrell, how do you deal with getting that kind of you know that kind of break at, you know this far out? I, I, I agree with Brendan on that. Like I, I suppose there's probably no point in really talking about these kind of permutations um, around the pool and around the quarterfinals. And I don't I actually think the, the quarterfinals is like it's could there be a better kind of, um, could you have a better kind of newspaper article or headline to pin on the wall in the Scottish dressing room? Like, I think we, you know, look, we, we got through Japan last year, um, or sorry, in um, in 17 on it, but or so 19, sorry. But, you know, um, I just don't like to talk about that yet. I know there's a little bit of despondency around, like, who we might face. And yes, they're huge challenges, but I think... Well, Jamie, he's a pumped his fist <laughs> at the draw the last time, and I, I feel know. like we're still paying for it in the car mistakes. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm getting at. I just don't <laughs> want us to do the same thing again, even though we got through Scotland last time around. I just think it's dangerous. But, you know, what I would say is, look, if, if, I, I do think we've probably made the past, uh, like, mistakes in the past, whereby we probably haven't started planning enough and maybe identifying gaps and where in the starting lineup, particularly around age profile. Um, so I think you are definitely, it, it's a good thing to think about those things. Um, to my mind, it looks like naturally we have a few of those people who are coming through in those places anyway, which I think is a good thing. So to my mind, yes, I'd be focusing very much on, I think keeping his job if I was Andy Farrell, because I think the team needs to start playing well. I think we need to start seeing, you know, some kind of style. I think most most of the best teams in the world that I know of have a style that they impose on, on another team. Yes, you might make adjustments here and there. Um, and I think that nearly goes for all sports. Like other teams generally have to start adapting to you and what you're doing um, if, you're, if you're a good team. And I think he needs to start developing maybe some of that. Um, and I think, look, it was obviously, he had to comment on it uh, this week, obviously. But I think from now on, it's better off just moving on and looking at the next kind of group of games and challenges that the team and the group will face and trying to f- figure out, you know, look, Four years, a lot can happen in four years. We've seen the likes of, say, like Dan Levy with his injury. Um, you know, lots of things like that can happen to key guys throughout. So I think the key part is focusing on the performance and how they get to a place where they're they're playing well. Because I think once you're playing well, it's kind of easier for, for different people to slot in and out more seamlessly. Uh, and I think the, the selection thing becomes less o- of an issue. However, you do need to, the, the age thing and some key positions for Ireland will be something that we'll have to watch closely, particularly kind of about two years out. Um, because you just don't want to be caught in a position where you have some kind of elder statesmen in key positions that you're kind of saying, geez, they're past their best. And we really haven't given anyone else another opportunity um, to, to really grow and settle into important positions. Um, so, look, again, it was it, it's interesting to talk about it. I don't want to be despondent about it either. I think, you know, we've 
France is an interesting one. Obviously, you'd only be playing the, the 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 host nation if we were to get to that point. Um, you know, it's not ideal or New Zealand, but we don't have that bad a record against France in the last couple of years. Um, I wouldn't be as you know, and that was a pretty close game over there this year as well, uh, bar a few fairly poor errors. I thought so. Uh, while they're 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 kind of they seem to be in a good position and definitely growing, I think we might be as well. So, um, in a very long-winded way, and sorry for keeping everyone waiting, <laughs> um, there's there's kind of pros and cons to talking about it now. I think you have to do a little bit of thinking on it, but uh, yeah, you can get on with the job in front of you as well. Brent, just use the draw as a jumping off point. Maybe obviously, like there's no point previewing a match that'll be taking place in four years' time. But the presence of South Africa in the pool is an interesting one. With the you know, given that the four marquee South African franchises, the Bulls, the Lions, the Stormers, and the Sharks are set to be joining the pro, so sixteen it'll be at some stage over the next few months. And you could have a scenario then over the next couple of years where you're getting the chance from an Irish perspective to test yourselves against guys who'll be playing at that World Cup. It'll also, you know, battle hard in the provinces in terms of their European games, getting them ready for that and, and really reinvigorating the league. Like, where do you stand on this proposal? How important is this for Irish rugby for a multitude of reasons? I wasn't overly mad about it initially, possibly because the idea of bringing in, swapping two provinces for another four from the same neck of the woods, given that the original two, we've been told, would be bringing all sorts, apart from the five million lids up front, you know, quality and all the rest, and they turned out to be a disaster. Clearly, the four who are coming on board now are a different, um, a different breed, or certainly uh, uh, altogether more, more, are stronger outfits. And it's a pity that we are relying on them to the degree that we are. And, and look, let's face it, we are because the the the, the Pro Fourteen is just a crock currently. Um, and. You look at the likes of Glasgow, who have just gone backwards and have lost marquee players and haven't replaced them with like for like. Scarlets are hanging in there. Nothing coming from Italy. Three of our, our top four just can't lose a game. Like it's it's mad. It, you know, it's 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 a, it's of no benefit to anybody. It really is bad for business when a tournament like that is so lacking in competitive structure. So if you can get four heavyweights into it, then it's going to ramp it up. Now I don't know what it's going to do for the Dragons and the Italians, and perhaps Cardiff to a lesser extent, um, and Edinburgh who can't buy you in, and Glasgow, Glasgow who, are, who are, are treading water currently, you know, some of the scores against those guys could be horrific, providing that the, the South Africans can bring the same level of uh, power and efficiency that they, they have in their own country over to this new tournament. So there's a lot of ifs there, but it can't possibly be worse, and we desperately desperately need a higher standard of competition not just for test rugby but e- even as a springboard into europe because the pro 14 is way past itself and brendan is there any idea at this stage of of you know when when they're actually coming you know i think there's fixtures up to the first week in january of the current league like do we know when they might arrive or you know is it going to be at some stage over this season yeah, it, it's going to be New Year, Will. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be that detailed, but that specific. And I think we only have to look at competitions closer to home, as in the Champions Cup, to see how difficult it is to plan for anything. Let's just go down into our own domestic game, to our own club, our own AIL situations. Um, it, it is extraordinarily difficult. And Plus, people are thinking, oh, brilliant, vaccine coming around the corner, all will be right with the world. Let's horse the vaccine into ourselves and go batshit crazy in the meantime. Um, you, we, we have seen from this coming weekend in Europe how easy it is for games to be called off and 
if this happens again, as I would suspect it will, we are not exactly a country mile away from the integrity of that competition now being brought into question. Through no fault of, of EPCO, they're bending over backwards trying to put a competition in place and a show on the road and they're being overtaken. So as, as with Luke, sorry for the kind of the long-winded answer, but nobody knows. It, it is hoped that this will kick off relatively early in the new year. That is dependent on so many things, so many balls in the air, so many moving parts, yada, yada. Yeah, and just in terms of the, the Champions Cup this weekend, for people who didn't see the news earlier, Exeter-Toulouse has been uh, cancelled due to a COVID outbreak in the Exeter camp, and then the Glasgow-Leon game has gone as well because Glasgow played Exeter last weekend. Then at the moment, I think the statement said a, a kind of some sort of match committee will will kind of kind of determine the results, and we don't know yet quite the mechanism by which they'll do that, if it'll be a walkover to one side or if it'll be a share of the points or, or whatever. So by the time this comes out, who knows, they might have clarified it somewhat. Luke, I suppose maybe going back to last weekend then and, and the performance of some of the provinces, you know, one thing we talked about last week a lot was whether or not those young players would, would get their chance after pressing in the Pro 14 or whether it would be a return to the more established guys. Pretty much across the board, the coaches did show faith. You know, Gavin Coons played very well for Munster. I know Kieran Frawley, one of your your favourites, who uh, a one-man fan club almost at times, uh, put in a good performance at Montpellier. Uh, were you impressed with the young guys when they got their chance, how they delivered? Yeah, well, so he looked good. I know he got a few knocks as well, but look, I think he was he was pretty solid. To, like, I mean, there's enough there for me to think that there's a huge amount of potential there, and it looks like Joey Carby's not going to be back until um, at least the new year. I, I we were having some debate before we came on about that um, uh, about that kind of Stephen Larkham comment on him, but um, regardless, like he's obviously a big loss for them, and he looks like I, I like I like the look of him. I like the look of him. I think Munster, you know, it's good for them to have. Uh, some competition in that slot, particularly if Joey's not going to be around, even if he comes back, he might well be straight, like called straight into camp. I mean, he's such a talented player. Um, but yeah, look, I think it was it, like some, like lots of very promising stuff. Um, you know, and I was happy to see, you know, some of the, look, I know we talk about the quality of, of the league, but I was good to see some of the good play rewarded. Um, and I think it does breed good squad kind of, morale uh, and I also think it breeds great competition and I look at I mean I think Leinster obviously is the standout performance because going away to Montpellier who were poor enough at times um, but I still thought some of the Leinster young guns were some of the best players on the pitch um, you know leaving aside I thought I thought Reese Ruddock was outstanding in the pack and, and so was Josh van der Fleer but um, some of the young guns were really really good um, and I was really impressed with, with Harry Byrne at 10 when he came on um, touching on the Frawley thing, I mean, I just, I still think he'd be an excellent ten, but he was, he was solid at twelve, and that was good to see. Um, and, and Keenan just looks like he's very settled in now at the top level, so he, he looked very good as well. He, he looks like kind of like a smart player to me as well. He's, he's generally in good positions. Um, I like him. He's positioned well to, to have a, a strong future. I think, uh, even though he probably might be going up uh, against uh, James Lowe. Um, for 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 international selection, or possibly Stockdale and um, and Keith Earls, maybe. So he'll have some stiff competition there. But at Leinster level, he looks really really good. Uh, up in Ulster, um, I mean, I think they'll be disappointed. I mean, Ravenhill has been a hard place for for French teams to go. I mean, it, regardless of how you know Ulster have been playing or how they performed in the last couple of years, still managed to get a few really good results at home. Um, and look, that Toulouse team is is very strong now. They're kind of looking like. Toulouse of old to, to a certain extent they're definitely there back kind of competing at the top level in my mind um, so I think Ulster will be a little bit disappointed they didn't maybe take a scalp there but 
Um, you know, there was some good stuff there as well. Uh, good to see him. I didn't get over for a nice try. I thought that was some lovely play there. Um, but they they'd be disappointed. But overall, well, it was good to see some of the some of the young guys kind of rewarded, and I think it it bodes well. Yeah, just on the Montpellier game, I'm not surprised they found it hard, Montpellier, to perform when their owner, Murad Altrad, was sitting just above the bench in like a massive throne, just like <laughs> overlooking all the substitutes. It must be a bit foreboding when your boss is just sitting there just, just above your head. Uh, you do hear like, some horror stories in France about owners coming into change rooms and like after a few defeats. I don't know. I can't remember which. Um, it's and Toulon usually. Like, to be fair, Altrad, I think, no, is a slightly. No, I think it's like, I, I remember there was someone telling me about it. Like, I can't remember what club it was in. He come from France and I can't even remember the individual but he was telling me that they'd lost three at home on the bounce and the owner came in and said listen lads one more of these and no one's getting paid uh, so <laughs> that lit a fire under a few uh, under a few bums and I think they, they might have uh, they might perform a little bit better at home the next week but yeah like I think it's not unusual for those guys to be kind of hanging around a little, a little too close for comfort yeah Brendan uh, and in terms of uh, Leinster I suppose and uh, I don't know if you'd call it a risk given how strong the squad is, but like, you know, playing Kieran Frawley, giving Jimmy O'Brien, I think his first European star, Peter Dooley starting at Loosehead Prop, going away to Montpellier. It, it was a relatively brave selection by Leo Cullen, but already, given the way that the, the tournament is structured, they look home and hose, given that Northampton appear to be sending an academy selection or something close to it uh, this weekend to the RDS. Yeah, if I can just go back to... to Luke's reference to France there. I just Googled it when, when you were talking. John Daniel, uh, it's, it's called um, Life is a Rugby Mercenary. It is one of the best rugby books you'll ever read. Mm -hmm. He's played for a couple of clubs in France and it, it lifts the lid on the madness of club owners, the madness of, of the team preparation, just the absolute madness of mm -hmm. playing rugby in France. It's absolutely first class. I'd recommend it to anybody. Um, now, to get back to your own point, I don't think... Leo had to be that brave with who he put in the starting 15, given the ace, the quality of the eight that he had on the bench. If things had been going badly, he could have thrown them in, expect them to pull things around. They didn't have to because Lancer were so good. I was really, really impressed uh, with the accuracy and the execution of everything they did, particularly Luke McGrath. Um, I banged on a bit about our, our inability in this country our, our unwillingness to develop a specific type of nine, um, a, du, a, a Dupont-type player. Now, Dupont is a, is a very small guy, but he's very powerful. Luke McGrath is a little bit in that mode. He's a, he is, um, he's got quite a bit of power for a small bloke. Um, he has an absolutely first-rate mentality. I would never, ever question his mental strength or his bravery. The only thing I would question, and I think it's what goes against him at the very top level, is a kink in his past, which he's never managed to get rid of. And the higher he goes and the, the more pressure he's under, the more likely it is to come out. But for me, Lancer were excellent. Um, Keenan looks a real deal. He looks like one of those players who just gets better every time you see him. Jimmy O'Brien, the same. Um, they have absolute faith in these blokes. And to go back to the top 14, for, or the pro 14 for a second, one of the attractions of it not being um, a super stress fest week in, week out, is that it's not that big a deal to give a young bloke a run. It's not like you're throwing him out 10 years ago in Newport on a wet Friday night, expect him to come home in a body bag. <laughs> like Irish teams are dominating. So in that vein, I would be... I am more than frustrated that we haven't seen Jack Crowley in Munster. Um, 
he's played three games this season for the A team. As far as I can trace, that's the only rugby he has played this season. None of those three games was as a starting 10. Ben Healy is currently in the headlines and fair dues to him. What a goal kicker. He's a decent rugby player, but he has a most impressive kicking technique where he keeps the ball low and man does he put put a, a savage amount of yeah. this guy Crowley on very limited viewing as in the curtailed uh, Six Nations Championship of last year really looks like an AIL for Cork Khan looks like a really really good rugby player a big strong lad who has a lot going for him and he just can't get a game and I'm looking at Johan van Grand saying why not put him on the bench in a home game on a Friday night in a game where the opposition are going to come with a white flag in their bag and you're going to have a, a bonus point sorted by 50 minutes, never mind 60. Yeah, it's funny, just the joke you made about going to Newport and coming home in a body bag because we've had a good few guys on over the years and I always look up what their debut game was and the amount of times it's like an away game against Glasgow, Edinburgh, Dragons, and they got absolutely stuffed. It's it's actually probably like 50, 60%, 70% of the times these guys made their debuts. Whereas now it's probably the opposite. They go away and they, they make it in a fairly easy in a fairly easy encounter. Uh, Lou, I suppose the point Brendan makes there about, you know, Ben Healy and Jack Crowley at Munster is an interesting one because JJ Hanrahan still seems to be the go-to guy for Munster in a lot of these big games at the moment at out half. And even this weekend with Healy out injured because of a couple of knocks against Harlequins, it looks like he'll be the man there again. I suppose, like any coach, he's going with who he thinks will get him the win that weekend. But I think a lot of people would like to see some of these younger out halves brought forward because as Healy's shown this year when he's given a bit of a chance, he's been really, really good. Yeah, he has. You know, it's interesting. I hadn't even for for it's it's interesting that uh, you know Brendan mentions Crowley as well. Like he wouldn't even be on my um, he wouldn't even be on my radar to be honest with you. Uh, like I, I, I suppose I've just been looking at the headlines maybe, and um, and maybe I've been drawn in by that. But um, yeah, look, I, I, look, JJ is an interesting one, isn't it? Like, I mean, I think um, you know he's been he's been at the club for quite a while, and I think when you're there that long and you haven't really established yourself, you probably have to ask the question as to is that the person to to lead you forward and particularly when you look at the period he's been there, like Munster haven't really won anything um and you know like I think that's probably ten to my mind is and look I know Joey Carby was supposed to be filling that hole um and it's been very unfortunate uh, in, in you know the circumstances surrounding that or his absence from the team um I like the look of maybe taking a chance on one of the younger guys and giving one of them at least a good run of games um, just to just to see, just to see. Because I think they need someone to elevate themselves there. Um, and the only way they do that is by getting time in the hot seat. And I think, yeah, like it, it, to my mind, it's a bit unusual now. I know it may well be forced on him uh, this weekend, but I'd like to see him give a, a you know consistent run to... to uh, well, like, I, I've only really seen Healy. Um, so I'm going to say I think he needs to give Healy a run. I like I've seen enough from him to think he can get something. He can he can bring his game to a level where he's you know very competitive at the top level at the very minimum. And I think and I just like the kicking. I like the head and the shoulders as well. Um, some good stuff I've seen so far. Um, so yeah, look, I think that's an area four months or they haven't really like look. Roger's always going to leave a huge hole, and I'm sure Johnny would probably leave a bit of a hole after he leaves too. Although it looks like Leinster are probably filling that a little bit better at this stage, or at least giving more opportunities to guys below him. Um, or more consistently giving opportunities anyway. So, look, it's it's an area to watch, Will. Um, and I would say, yes, he does need to find something there because, to my mind, that's the real area that Munster are. There's just something there that they're missing that that elevates this team. Um, Raj was able to bring and be, you know, take that Munster team to, to levels that um, 
you know, they hadn't been before. And he was able to keep them there for a very long time because he's a key guy. Like, your 10 is the key guy that drives the club forward. I can't think of a club that's done great things without a great 10. Um, and Munster want to do great things. And they've been away from the top table for, for quite a while, in my opinion. I think they, look, they haven't looked like a team that's going to win uh, something in, 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 a, in a while. They look like they're, they're definitely there, thereabouts, semi-finalists, etc. But um, I think there's, you know, they're crying out for a top-class guy in there. And do I think JJ is that answer? I'm not sure. I don't think so yet, no. Yeah, and then on Ben Healy, I suppose uh, the comparison with Hanrahan is interesting because I suppose Hanrahan had a decision to make Brendan earlier in his career and he opted to go abroad, go to Northampton. Now, he wasn't English qualified like Ben Healy is with Glasgow and that's the link that's been resur- you know, servicing over the last week or so. Is this something you could actually see happening or is it is it just, I suppose, contract ploys? I know there's a, you know, obviously a lot of people out of contract in Irish rugby at the moment and the negotiations haven't, haven't really started. Is this kind of a ploy to get that ball rolling there or do you think it's actually something that, you, that could happen? Well, I don't know the lad at all, so I can't say what his, his mindset is, but I spoke to somebody at Glasgow earlier on and I, I asked, how keen are you on this? And he said, yeah, we're pretty keen. We've been looking for a long time. We've known that Adam Hastings has been going. And not only can Healy play football, but he could also do it with a blue jersey on his back, um, which suits the SRU, who ultimately are going to pay for it. And it's worth bearing in mind that the reason Glasgow have been um, so slow out of the traps to replace marquee names is because the SRU are controlling the funds and they're being pretty parsimonious, as the SRU can be. Um, just to go back to the Munster situation, Healy ain't going to be fit for this weekend, which is a really pleasant trip to Claremont. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if Rory Scandal is fit. I'm not sure if he'll start with JJ and put Rory Scandal on the bench um, with a view to covering 10. You know, like with, with Joey out of the frame, with Ben Healy out of the frame, he'll have to start JJ and what he does thereafter, that'll be really interesting. I mean, it would be, Jesus, it, it would be, I'm I'm all for taking a punt, but I'm not sure that's the game. <laughs> taking a punt on Jack Riley. Yeah, because Claremont looked so impressive last weekend, Luke. And already it's a very tough game for Munster because I suppose when you're looking at their side of the draw, the big beasts of Leon, Claremont, Rassing, excellent to lose, albeit now with that COVID cancellation that could muddle that up. But they all won with bonus points. Munster didn't get one against Harlequins. And it's a, it's an unusual format this year, so the, the the importance of the bonus point is probably even more magnified with only four matches to play. Very daunting task against Claremont, who put fifty points on on Bristol last weekend. Even though I wrote them off last week, so I take some blame for that. As as potential winners, yeah, you, yeah, you just don't believe them. Um, they've let you down too often, I assume. Uh, yeah, look, it's a huge challenge. But I remember going there with, uh, I mean, like Leinster went there with a few young guys. I remember Dominic Ryan actually probably stands out and, and Owen O'Malley played, um, you know, and replaced two very important, like obviously O'Driscoll, obviously there was a huge pressure on O'Malley at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, got, it, like just lost out, but it was, in, it was in that period where like they might've gone, were they 50 games unbeaten or something crazy at home? It was during that period we went to go play them, but they had a few young guys dotted in the team and I thought it was, a, it was a baptism of fire. Like, Joe Schmidt just loved Dominic Ryan forever after that game because he played so bloody... No, he did. He, he honestly had so much time for him because he put in such a huge performance. And I think there's potential that if you have enough... Like, there's enough experience around this Munster team um, that you could take a chance somewhere. Um, does it look like a massive challenge? It does. But sometimes I just think you got to throw a guy in sometimes and just, just have a go. Like, I mean... The last thing you want to do is die wondering, but you also want to figure out, like, you know, are these guys worth putting time into? Because, you, you know, a place like there's, there's a 
that place is, is a cauldron. Um, you know, I know there's going to be fans, like there, there won't be fans there, but it's they, they just playing away in France. And like some of the Leinster guys will have experienced it on the weekend. Like it's a, it's a really huge challenge. The French teams are very good at home. Like they really are very strong. And there's a real uh, kind of, I suppose, is there kind of a history behind it? Like of that kind of mentality in France, that kind of siege mentality at home. You never give up an easy win at, at home. Um, and I just think it's a great place to to, to baptize a guy. Um, and I, I'd be I'd be kind of nearly leaning on taking a chance. I know you're saying there's not enough time, and I do get that. Um, having missed out on the bonus point, they are under a little bit of pressure. But sometimes these these guys like you give them a bit of trust. Sometimes they repay it, you know. And I'm like, I'd be inclined to have a go. I really would. I know that it's not my job that I'm I'm not doing the job, and it won't cost me mine. Um, so it's easy probably for me to say, but I, I'd just like to see them take a shot, you know, particularly if it's if it's one or two positions that you're you're dropping guys into, not yeah. wholesale changes. Yeah, because Brent, like these are the games that Munster have ultimately come up short in over the last couple of years, the big away days against some of the top teams in Europe. You know, for them to get a scalp in a game like this could be the result that you know to really give a boost or to kickstart then that new generation, you know, that Larkham has come in, you know, the, the big sets and bring box signs. Some of the young guys for the first time, like Coombs and Casey showing some promise, a big away scalp to kind of tie it all together at this moment. Like at a Leinster against Claremont, you know, 20 odd years ago, you know, when they finally got their first win in France, it, it really helped to kind of to boost that generation of players. It would be savage. I, I, I don't agree with Luke that. I just don't think they have the scope to mess around it out half. And I don't know if Rory Scanlon is fit and I don't think it would be responsible to put Crowley in given his lack of his match time, and then to go into somewhere like Claremont, who are absolutely, as Luke alluded to, Would they're you put him on the bench, Brendan? That's I don't, I don't know, I don't, Jesus. If you put him on the bench, Luke, and you bring him on after five minutes, yeah. as you know can well happen, you're then, there's nothing worse than a coach looking at the clock after five minutes thinking, <laughs> thinking oh no. <laughs> they might have to bring on Stephen Larkham then. <laughs> But I, I, I absolutely take your point that the, the, the turbo charge at Munster we get out of, out of this because, let's be honest, they needed, in, in their heads, they really needed to take a bonus point win against Quinns last week. And it was a cracking game of rugby with lots of bite in it. It was a really, really good game to watch. Um, it's just that, you know, when they sat back and they analysed it subsequently, it was like, shit, we should, we should have taken five there. Mm. And as you alluded to there at the, at the start of this conversation about Europe, with the compressed tour, compressed tournament, there's so little room for error. You've only got four pool games, so you really need to be getting the max out of everyone. But I'll be, I'll be at the RDS for Leinster against Saints Academy at lunchtime on Saturday, <laughs> and then I'll be making a beeline home to watch Munster on the box. And I'm just hoping it, it, you know, it's as good as we hope it can be. Yeah, and Brendan, what, what about Connacht? You know, they were probably the surprise package of the weekend, considering going away to Racing in, in the U Arena is probably as tough a place as it, as it is now when they get their tails up. And then I was kind of flicking between a few sporting events, and all of a sudden I found out that there was you know, two minutes left, Connacht were camped on the Racing line, and it was almost a, a famous win. Like, they're set up very nicely now, Pat Lamb coming back for an interesting reunion. Like And it could be a scab this weekend. How impressed were you with them? I'm really impressed. And again... I was talking to somebody who I would trust in that camp during the week, and I said, "Look, I'm not quoting you here, but is it are you fulfilling the fixture here, or do you think you have any chance of winning?" And the response I got was, "Absolutely, we've discussed this as a group, and we said, are we just making up the numbers, lads, or do we think we can win this?" Oh, no, no, we can win this. And then they got around to how we might win it, bearing in mind that none of them had set foot in the stadium before in their lives, and it's quite daunting 
to go into play indoor in a place like that for the first time ever against a team who are not only as good as Racing are, but are as mean as Racing are. Like they're they're a fairly hard ass bunch. Um, no more, no less than Camille Shah lining, uh, leading them up front at hooker. He's a serious, serious operator. And I thought Dave Heffernan was very good in, in, in that personal duel. So fair dues to Connacht. Um, very good for Jack Carty too. He could have fallen off the edge of the earth if that game hadn't worked out. Uh, he hasn't had a lot of game time this season. If you go back a year ago, Jack Carty was a bloke Joe Schmidt trusted big time go to the World Cup in Japan. And at half time in that game against Japan, I don't think you would have been saying, well, Jack Carty, what a, what a waste of time he is. You would have said, yeah, he's, he's, he's doing okay. He's keeping us in the right place. We're going in the right direction. So a year on, and here he is struggling to keep his place in, in Connacht. When you get a result like that, albeit not quite the result you wanted, but when you get a performance like that in a game, in a momentum-changing game like that, who knows what the New Year is going to bring now for him? You just six nations around the corner. Who knows if Johnny will be fit? What the pecking order is going to be? He may well look back to that day and say, "Yeah, geez, I, I, I was really happy with myself that day. That really helped me." Yeah, Lucas. I suppose we, we teamed up at the start and said like Leinster's win was the most impressive win, but in terms of performance, and I suppose you know what the expectations was going over the racing, like that comic display was probably as good as we've seen so far this season from an Irish team. Yeah, I, I, like I, I just I think it's we base that on how good racing are, um, and I just think like yes, they, they have a grisly gnarly pack, um, they really do. But their defence is very stingy as well, or has been the last couple of years. I think that's been a thing that's kind of brought them to the top table fairly consistently, you know. Um, and I just think they've really added a few real weapons in the backs. Like, I, I just, like, I know it was, like, to my mind, they look like a very complete outfit. I just think they haven't taken the next step. Uh, but they look to me like they're knocking on the door and they will be for, for quite a while. It's a really, really tough place to go and play. And I think it's even just adjusting to playing indoors. I always remember going to Millennium and having to make the adjustment. But it's even more of an adjustment with that type of pitch as well. Um, like, albeit there was no crowd, of course, and that does help uh, to, to maybe settle you a little bit, uh, maybe unsettle them because there's no atmosphere at home. Um, but it was a really, really good performance, you know, and I think um, they can be very proud of that and they can build from that. Like sometimes, sometimes like you don't always need to get a win in those ones, but you, you can find something in those games amongst the group um, that can kind of lift you and, 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 and you can kind of lean on that in tough parts of the season going, like kind of moving on from that. Um, and a nice way to, to maybe build on that is this weekend. I think, look, I think Bristol are good, but I do, do I think they're, do I think they're unbeatable um, in the sports ground? Certainly not. Certainly not. I mean, that's a really difficult place to go and play. And I'd say, I'd say Connacht might quietly fancy themselves in this one. Yeah, it's an interesting setup for this weekend, obviously with the Pat Lamb connection, Brendan. And I suppose when he left, there was always going to be a big void. Like, And winning the Pro 12, I think he said, at the Pro 12 at the time, he said it was the highlight still of his coaching career. Like, How, how do you think Connick have kind of managed that period since his departure? Uh, pretty well, to be honest. Uh, um, I thought Pat Lamb started boring the backside of people when it came to leaving and banging on about you know, the passion and what it meant to him and whatever, and then bringing up all the stuff that really didn't need to be brought into the equation. He, he had been made an astounding offer as a professional, uh, well, not an athlete, he's a coach, but his, his job is every bit as precarious as players are. If players can be struck down with injury, well, then the coach can get sacked after the next game. 
he'd been made a huge offer absolutely go and take it off you go go and go to the, the premiership and start a new career there and just thank people in Connacht and leave I just thought he dragged that whole thing out so much <laughs> that I was just sick to death but by the end so um now you must have loved his quotes today then about how much Connacht still means to him and how it's all. <laughs> I didn't get past the first paragraph, Will. <laughs> um, I'd agree with Luke. Uh, it, it's, I, I would be amazed if Andy Friend, who has done a fine job, um, I'd amaze if, be amazed if he has pictures of Pat Lamb up on the wall saying, yeah, you know, whatever. Like, does he give a, t- a fiddlers who's in the, in the dressing room down the, down the hall for them? No, he doesn't. And I mm. don't think the players will either. Yeah, if the crowd were there, I'm sure it'd be, you know, it'd be a big bull of bus for Pat coming onto the field and yada yada. But no, forget that. It's just about two teams. And kind of mentally will be flying after last week. And hopefully having lost two of their second rows to COVID. Go, I mean, think about it. Kind of could have, you know, run the white flag up the, up the flagpole last weekend and said, oh, look, we can't make it, lads, this this week. Sorry, COVID has dealt us a blow, as we are now seeing, but they didn't. And they've been struggling for, for second rows for a while. You suddenly take two of their top second rows out of the game, and they said, no, no, crack on, we're going to, we're going to fulfil this fixture, and boy, did they fulfil it. So hopefully they will have a, a fuller deck to select from this week, and uh, good luck to them. I hope they, they go and, and uh, get a home win. Yeah, and just on on second rows in that Connacht game, Luke, like Alton Delan is someone who really stepped up. You know, he was flying around the place. Some of the tackles he put in were just astounding. It was a physical performance I've seen from him in so long. And he's a guy who's always maybe threatened at stages to make a really big leap, and he hasn't quite been able to do it. But again, a performance like that last weekend, you know, could be a catalyst for him to have a really good season. Yeah, I mean, there's huge potential there. I think he's struggled with injuries, um, and that's really what's probably... That's been the cause of why we haven't seen him consistently kind of play at the top level. Um, I mean, I just think, I know from my own experiences, it's very hard to get into, like when you play lots of games in a row and you're, you know, you might, you miss one or two games here with injury, like throughout a long period with injury. It's, you kind of, you build these good habits that you just can rely on and it gives you a great consistency in your game. When you're out for long periods, um, and he's had a few of them as well, um, you know, you have to build all those things back up. So that's probably why we haven't seen him get to that level consistently. But certainly we've seen a guy, I, I, I you know, specifically remember a couple of great runs in Twickenham a couple of years back, uh, kind of bulldozing runs. Like there's certainly an athlete in there. And he's a guy that, you know, Connacht should have been able to really build on. Because um, I re- like the more I look at it, the more I think, like, bar your 10, like having a couple of good second rows there, most great teams have a few brilliant second rows. They just drive the team on. They're the real engine room, to my mind, alongside the back row, you know. Um, because, I mean, look, if you're getting, if you have good guys there, generally it makes it easier to get the ball at the line out, it strengthens up the scrum. Um, he's a guy that probably Connacht have really missed, and it's probably why they haven't been really kicked on. Um, you know, I think Muldowney was a big loss, but, and I really expected, I think, um, Delant to maybe step into that kind of, into the breach there to a certain extent. Um, so look, I'm, I'm ex- it was good to see him back and I thought he played very well, but I kind of expect him to play well because I think he's good. I just feel like he's probably lacking consistency because of injuries. So hopefully that continues and he gets a good run because he's someone that I think Connor can really uh, build around, you know? Mm. And Brendan, maybe just to finish up then on Ulster, as Luke mentioned earlier, went quite close to pulling off a nice scalp against Toulouse. Um, but now, again, looking at the permutations and their side of the draw, very difficult to see. They might have to win away to Toulouse to get out of there 
out of their side of the draw. So to- a very tough ask, but at least they have Gloucester this weekend away from home in King's home. Have to get a win there minimum. Um, you know, what What do you make of where Ulster are at the moment? Obviously getting to the Pro 14 final just before kind of this new season kicked off. There is a lot of positivity around the camp despite that result last weekend. Well, I think the most telling aspect of that game last week was the few minutes after the final whistle when Dan McFarlane was going absolutely apeshit, excuse my French, and pursuing, I think it was Sean Gallagher, who's the touch judge. And uh, it, I think Dan McFarlane was, was upset about Cooney. Um, he had drawn one of the, the Toulouse lads offside. It could have been Japan, actually. And uh, then he kind of threw a forward pass. He was penalised for the forward pass. Toulouse get a penalty at the scrum. One thing leads to another. Toulouse score, game ch- game changes. Um, I think it's worth bearing in mind that John Cooney, for an international quality scrum half, has no business trying to draw people offside when, if he's led, read the law book, he understands that it's a free kick against him. He does it on a regular basis. I don't know why he hasn't been picked up on it. Uh, something he should have stopped. It's something Dan McFarland should have picked up. Something that should have been out of his game. And even Matthew Carey, the referee, said they're going to free kick you. So they brought a lot of it on themselves. Also, at the hour mark, Ulster were re- looking good. They played some really good rugby, hard-edge rugby. Um, and you think, OK, they're going to kick on from here. And then you looked at the bench and they just didn't have a... To use Eddie Jones's. um borrow from his vocabulary, they didn't have a bunch of finishers on the bench. Um, so I don't see how Ulster are going to achieve what they want to achieve without getting another few players. Simple as that. Yeah, I'll give you the last word then, Luke, on Ulster. You know, Gloucester away, as I mentioned there, you know, a, a must-win game if they want to get back into this European pool. Um, do you think they have enough to, to get over the line? Uh, I do think, yeah, absolutely this weekend. But I think, you know, in terms of the wider, in, in a wider context in the group, it's going to be difficult. Like, I mean, that the, they needed to be to lose at home. Um, that's a really tough ask to go away. Not impossible, as Leinster showed, um, uh, sorry, a couple of years ago. I think it could, like, it was literally, that was on a knife edge. Uh, I thought they got very lucky with a couple of intercepts. But, like, it's, you can run them close there. Um, and if it is close, there's no there's no real fan, so to speak. So, look, they, it's possible, but I think the task is, is, is large now. Uh, Brendan makes a good point about the bench. They are struggling. I think they really miss the guys like Addison and that. I think it's a huge loss to that team. Um, and I think, you know, do they have enough of the tank yet? I, I don't think so, but I, they certainly are moving in the right direction. Um, I, I really like Dan McFarland as a coach. I got to kind of see a little bit of him as, uh, I think it was uh, Ireland Day, not even going to attempt to uh, pick a year, but um, he was spoken very highly of and thought very highly of and I thought he did a great job over in Glasgow. I like lots of things that he's doing in Ulster um, and I hope he's not judged maybe on this that performance on the weekend because they were in that game and they, I think they'd be really disappointed because it's, I think it's going to be a big challenge now to be to someone away from home, you know, in, in France. I just think that's a big ask for that group. I think it might be just beyond them still at this stage, but um, are they capable of a big performance? Yes. Is it likely? Probably not at this stage, Will. I think that's probably opportunity gone for them, in my opinion. Yeah, and Brian, just before we finish, like Dan McFarland's an interesting one. His, his contract's up again at the end of the season, like a lot of players, and I don't think uh, the negotiation has started there yet either, or it certainly hasn't been concluded. Just like many players, very uncertain time for some of the coaches too. Yeah, I don't think he'd be in any danger. Mm. 
uh, what Luke likes about Dan McFarland, I think Ulster also like about Dan McFarland, and he's gone down pretty well. Um, so I don't think he'll be, he, I don't know what the finances are like. He might, I don't think he'd be sweating over a new contract that might not be as fat as he would like. Um, I would suspect Dan McFarland's primary concern will be um, guys like uh, Katsia. I'm not sure how, I think Katsia could be up at the end of the season. And if he's gone, if the South Africans get the money to bring him back, um, that would that would change them. But mm. um, uh, yeah, look, you look at the coaches, the provincial coaches, nothing changing in Leinster, unless maybe something changes with Ireland. Andy Friend, I would say, is rock solid. Dan McFarland is rock solid. Johan uh, van Graan's contract extends for quite some time. But um, I think he's the most conservative coach we have of the five from Andy Farrell down to the four provinces. And I think he was, now that we're in this compressed European situation where you can't take a chance, I think he's being exposed for having not taken a chance earlier in the Pro 14 when it was a fairly small chance to take. Mm. Um, I just wish he had stuck his neck out a little bit sooner. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it comes back to bottom this weekend. Another very interesting weekend. The match is coming up. In the meantime, Brennan, thanks so much for joining us on the left wing for the first time. <laughs> That's all we have time for this week on the left wing, independent.ie's rugby podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another show. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.